Uncertain. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 85 of Definitively Uncertain. I am John Colbert. With me, as always, Adele Colbert. And today, we're talking about. Do you want me to read the whole thing? Sure. Okay, so Adele wrote this out. <laughs> Crazy medical cases and practices. Brackets. Trust me, I'm a doctor. In the brackets. In the future. <laughs> what a title. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Adele did a bunch of research about some crazy medical cases. She loves researching stuff like this. This is probably some of the fun stuff that she really loves to do. So, I kind of wanted her to just kind of take it, take it away. And yeah. uh, I told her, find something, find weird. Try not to find anything too gross because, you know, our one listener doesn't like it or two or maybe two well one listener would like it and but definitely your grandmother doesn't like it. no like gory stuff so no so there it should be um pg mm-hmm. should be pretty pg should be all right yeah uh so we'll start with okay this one is a little a little weird so you know what a blood blood clot is right yes it's like a little solid thing in, in your blood that that clots. That clots. That's yes. pretty self-explanatory. So a California man made the saying, I coughed up a lung almost true. The 36-year-old was admitted to ICU with chronic heart failure uh, and throughout his hospital saying he regularly coughed up mucus and blood. But one coughing spell was worse than the others and he coughed up a tree-like blood clot in the perfect mold of his right bronchial tree. Holy crap. He actually coughed that up. Yeah. That is crazy. Isn't that weird looking? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what you'd do if you were a doctor. I (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) He's like, oh, that's really not good. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. He did end up passing away from the pre-existing heart conditions that he did have, but that was a little insane. Pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, see, the the body is so weird. Like, mm-hmm. there's things that, you know, people get better and doctors don't know why. You mm-hmm. know, people get sicker and doctors don't know why. There's a lot of mis- m- mystery. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the word. That's the word. Yeah, just couldn't find it. See? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of mystery for the human body. And there's a lot of things um, that can help you. And doctors don't know why. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that you know, should help you, but because it's your body and whatever you've done to it, Mm -hmm. right? That's the one thing that I've always thought was kind of unique, right? Is that not everybody's body is the same Mm -hmm. because we all live different lives. So we all eat differently. We all ingest stuff differently. We all do activities differently. So there's Mm -hmm. no two bodies exactly the same, right? So it's... It's got to make it harder for a doctor because you have to take into consideration what kind of lifestyle they have, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that, too. So I thought that was kind of crazy. For sure. So next we have an Omaha woman that was told for years that allergies was the cause of her chronically runny nose and severe headaches. Finally, she discovered the real culprit, fluid leaking from the area around her brain out her nose. Oh. So she had a leak in her brain. 
doctors diagnosed with cerebrospinal fluid leak, or CSF leak, which apparently started after a car accident in 2013. Since then, she'd be lose, she had been losing approximately 8 ounces of fluid a day. Uh, her doctors were able to plug her leak using her own fatty tissue. Wow. So if, um, if you, if you end up losing fluid from around your brain, that must, that must cause some serious problems. Yeah. So she would get like really, really, really intense headaches. Uh, like from what I read, like not being able to go outside, like everything was so sensitive. She just couldn't function and then they were like no it's allergies it's allergies and finally she's like i don't think it's allergies yeah (laughs) this really hurts i'm gonna go get checked out yeah that's crazy see and doctors they don't expect that right no but it's kind of crazy that um they don't check for that kind of stuff either you know what i mean like if someone says i got severe migraines you know there's some doctors out there that kind of just I hate to say it, but they kind of do the bare minimum. Yep. You know, and then there's other doctors out there that are like, all right, man, let's see if I can write a journal about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So this article was posted in 2018. Um, so that's five years. So eight ounces a day for 365 days is 2,920 ounces a year times five years is 14,600 ounces. Of brain fluid brain fluid so your body must always be producing brain fluid right because there's no way you have that much yeah no but that's it shouldn't have to make it at that pace yeah yeah so that's got to do something to you too right Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of crazy yeah yeah what about you you still got all yours i think so yeah i think i got all my brain fluid yeah yeah I should probably get a dipstick and get mine checked (laughs) dipstick (laughs) (laughs) just pull it out no, I need to add a liter. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. <laughs> Where'd that go? All right. Uh, in 1994, Ramirez was admitted to an emergency room due to cervical cancer complications. As medical staff were treating her, many began fainting and experiencing shortness of breath and muscle spasms. Nurses also noted, noticed a foul ammonia smell coming from her blood. After almost an hour of CPR... Uh, Ramirez eventually died from kidney failure caused by her cancer. Meanwhile, 23 people who had come into contact with her became mysteriously ill, and five were hospitalized themselves. This case was nicknamed the Toxic Lady. So they still don't know They what still happened? don't know why. Uh, the health department and investigators couldn't find a physical explanation. There are theories that the hospital is covering something up. Uh, so they said the entire staff had simply suffered mass hysteria. What the hell? So she came in, and she, like, mutated into, like, a supervillain and started making everyone sick. Mm-hmm. Five people were hospitalized after t- coming in contact with her. 23 total. Yep. Were messed up because of her. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like what? And her blood smelled like ammonia. Like, that's a very strong smell. Yeah. Like, that's not something that's like, oh, it might smell like ammonia. No, it does. Yeah. That's kind of crazy, right? It's super crazy. It was just like, I know I'm comparing a woman's blood to 
the curing salt that I just got. <laughs> but I got curing salt from, from a friend of mine to make pepperettes. And then when I opened it up, it smells like chlorine. Mm-hmm. And I, I got you to smell it because I'm like, this doesn't smell right at all. It smells like chlorine. And then mom said the exact same thing. So I'm like, I don't know if this stuff can go bad, you know, but if it did, why would it smell like cleaning stuff? I don't know. I looked it up and some some people have had similar experiences with curing salt. What, smelling like that? Smelling like chlorine. You looked it up? I did look it up. I was curious. (laughs) Oh, okay. I didn't do too much reading on it, but I know some people have the same experience. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Maybe it's just our noses? Maybe. I don't know. It's our 23 and me noses? 23 and me noses. Yeah. Like people that don't like cilantro. Yeah. Like me. It tastes like soap. Because it does taste like soap. Anyone that says it doesn't is crazy. Anyways. All so right. So what else you got going on? Well, was, these are interesting. These are kind of crazy. Yeah. So the next one is a woman whose eyes would completely seal shut for days at a time. Uh, after a sinus and staph infection, a 17-year-old woman began experiencing a weird phenomenon where her eyes would close tight for a few days straight. Around the third day, she'd be able to open her eyes and use her eyes like normal again. She is now 30 and has 99% of her eyelid muscles removed and is legally blind. Her bizarre condition still baffles doctors. So they just close. They just close and won't open again. Whoa. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah. It's a, it's a little odd. A little bit. Um, so, I don't... I think you might have heard of the next one I have. Uh, but a group of 400 people that practically danced themselves to death during the Dancing Plague of 1518. You heard of this? No. The dance epidemic started in Strasbourg, France... Uh, in July of 1518, when a woman began to dance in the streets. In just a week, 34 people joined her fervent dancing, or fervent, fervent dancing? Uh, within a month, there were 400 freaking dancers. <laughs> uh, people g- began dying from heart attacks, strokes, and exhaustion. The town officials built a stage and hired a musician in hopes to burn everyone out and cure the odd outbreak, but it only encouraged more people to join. Historians theorize that... It could have been caused by a type of fungus or stress-induced psychosis, but a clear explanation has never been agreed upon. It was a witch. It was a curse. From a <laughs> it was <witch>. a curse. <laughs> Back then, for sure, it was definitely a curse from a witch. Probably, yeah. Has to be. That's the only logical explanation I can think of. From a witch. <laughs> can, can you? you? Can you? I don't know. <laughs> think of any other reason that doesn't make... As much sense as that. They probably chalked it up to a curse in, in that time. I guarantee they did. Yeah. They should have asked that girl that was dancing the first person, mm-hmm. what did you do? And like, what did you do? You caused this. Yeah. You need to come forward now. How weird is that, though? Imagine just seeing people dance themselves to death in the streets. I would probably turn around and leave. If you just walked into a town and everyone was dancing, like, I wonder if they looked, they probably didn't even look happy. They're like, <laughs> this sucks. This was the illustration of the event. People oh. are like falling over and holding each other up. and The people in the background don't look like they're dancing. No, they're probably trying to like 
find help. But yeah, these people. Yeah. It's well, weird, that's, man. That's kind of crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, a man who ate raw beef and ended up with a 20-foot tapeworm in his stomach. 20 foot? 20 foot. For two years, a man frequently visited, uh, frequently visited hospitals com- uh, complaining about terrible stomach pain, vomiting, and weight loss. Doctors could not pinpoint the cause to his increasing discomfort until they microscopically am- am- analyzed his stool. They found an egg, which led to a surprising discovery. A 20-foot tapeworm. Apparently, the man enjoyed eating raw beef, so there you have it. 20-foot tapeworm. 20-foot. You know they used to use that for dieting? Yep. That's a picture of it? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's terrifying. Isn't that gross? Do you know how they used to get rid of tapeworms? No. No? No. You should look it up. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, just, uh, well, this might be the grossest part of the whole show on how they used to get rid of tapeworms. How did people used to get rid of... Sorry, guys. We're just going to let her search this because I know. And it's kind of gross. What do you got so far? Uh, usually treated with medicine taken by mouth, most commonly used medicine tapeworm, uh, and then it says the name, paralyze the tapeworms, which let go of the intestine, dissolve, and pass through your body. Yeah. I'm trying to find the gross one. The non-medical way? From the patient's mouth? What? No. No. They would put milk or curdled milk or something? And it would attract, it, it would, the scent would end up attracting and it would crawl out of their mouth. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> Ugh, no, thank you! <laughs> I don't know why I know that story. I don't know Somebody, <laughs> somebody told me it, and I was like, that can't be true. And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh my god, that's true. My esophagus just went, <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, see? <laughs> That's so gross, right? Ooh, that's so gross. No, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, don't get a tapeworm. That's you the don't. moral of that story. <laughs> you don't want a pet tapeworm. <laughs> no. You really don't. I used to make that joke, right, for losing weight? Yeah. I'd be like, I'm just going to get a pet tapeworm. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, never, never, never going to get that. All right. Um, a Canadian boy battling brain cancer received a blood transfusion as part of his treatment. After the transfusion, he went into anaphylactic shock when he ate salmon. Uh, he had no known allergies prior to the transfusion, so it came as a total surprise when he came highly allergic to fish and nuts. Six months later, his allergies just disappeared. Huh. So he took on the trait of probably the donors. Probably. He probably got enough blood into him, mm-hmm. I guess. Enough blood from that one guy into him to give him an allergy? That's pretty crazy. I've heard stories about, um, like, people remembering things that they shouldn't remember after organ transplants. Oh, really? Like, there was a lady who got a heart transplant and remembered something from her donor's life. Well, do you know um, C.T. Fletcher? Yep. Yeah. So he got a heart transplant. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Because his heart was horrible. 
and um, he keeps having visions of a little Asian lady, and he thinks that that's who gave him his heart, mm-hmm. his new heart. But they won't tell him, right? Yeah. They won't tell you anything about the donor. Mm-hmm. But he swears up and down that it was a little Asian lady that ended up. That's crazy. T- like he 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 says he feels it. He just and he wants to like he wants to meet the family and thank them and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But he can't. And, mm-hmm. and even though he's pretty famous, they still won't let him do it, right? So that's pretty wild. Yep. Um, but yeah, those people that donate their organs man they give someone a second chance Mm -hmm. you know i guess a little piece of them really does does go with them right yep whether it's blood or an organ or Mm -hmm. i don't know what else an eye skin i don't know i don't know body stuff body stuff (laughs) i don't know what all they can transplant what they can't yet all right. Well, that was the end of my cases that I have, They're but now I have some treatments. Uh, we're gonna start with Doctor Baddie's for your health asthma cigarettes. Oh, that sounds sounds no- logical. Effectively treats asthma, hay fever, foul breath, all diseases of the throat, head colds, canker sores, and bronchial irritations. Not recommended for children under six. Under six. Look at it. It's at the very bottom there. Asthma cigarettes. Look at that. <laughs> Dr. Baddies. Yep. Baddie. <laughs> yeah. B-A-T-T-Y. Yeah. Batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back in the late 19th and early 20th century, when damaging effects of nicotine weren't yet discovered or widely accepted, smoking was used not only for recreational purposes, but also as a medical treatment. Hmm. I know that they used to tell people to smoke if they were stressed. Yep. You know, there was a, that was a thing. You know, oh, if you're stressed, you know, you can just, uh, you know, smoke some light cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. It was funny. It was. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy what people used to think was okay. Mm-hmm. You know? I have the old ads for all of these, by the way. Do you? Yeah. Next we have heroin. Oh, <laughs> the miracle drug. The miracle drug. Initially, heroin was invented during an attempt to produce a drug similar to morphine, but less potent and less addictive. However, quite the opposite happened. Heroin turned out to be two times more potent than morphine itself. It was prescribed to treat coughs and other ailments, such as back pain and insomnia. From 1898 through 1910, these cough syrups were marketed as non-addictive morphine substitutes and quickly became the cause of one of the highest addiction rates amongst amongst its users. That is crazy. Yeah. Next we have methamphetamine. Oh. This poster says, keep the, quote, reducer happy. Methadrine in obesity. Uh, means help uh, for those who eat too much and for those who are depressed. Those are the only two points <laughs> that yeah. it helps with. Methadrine dispels abnormal craving for food, subtly elevates mood. Methadrine brand methamphetamine hydrochloride, hydrochloride tablets. Oh, man, eh? Look at that. <laughs> Look at how happy she looks, though. Yeah. Meth. I love meth. <laughs> when you need to keep your house clean. Meth? Yeah. <laughs> Methamphetamine was first synthesized by a Japanese chemist, 
1893, early on before the adverse effects of the drug were taken into consideration, meth was used to treat a variety of ailments, such as narcolepsy and asthma, and also used as a weight loss drug. That's amazing. Technically, it's a good weight loss, weight loss drug. Yeah. Because you don't eat. Because you Yeah. And, and, and you rot away from the inside out. Yeah, it's not... Don't do meth. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do meth. Yeah, try to avoid it. Maybe just go out and walk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's a better alternative. Do yoga. Don't do meth. Yeah. Don't do meth. Next, we have malariotherapy. Okay. Which is exactly what it sounds like. Here's a malaria mosquito ad. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, in the beginning of the 20th century, patient, patients suffering from syphilis were treated with malaria therapy. Ailing individuals were deliberately infected with malaria to induce fever. Apparently, the high fever was, was enough to kill temperature-sensitive syphilis bacteria. It is estimated that around 15% of those who treated with malaria therapy died from malaria. However, others showed great improvement. Wow. So 15%. 15% died, but 85% was like, I feel better. But none of them died from syphilis. None of them died from syphilis. I mean, it <laughs> seems like a cure. <laughs> they didn't die from syphilis, they died from malaria. I mean, the 85% mortality rate, that's pretty good. That's not terrible. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's, if you start doing the numbers, if you're, oh a, no, if you're, if you're a numbers guy like me, and like 15%. Yeah, okay. I think I could do that. Next we have <laughs> sitting inside a dead whale. What? Back in the 19th century, a cutting-edge new treatment uh, for rheumatism was introduced on Australia's southern coast, sitting inside a rotting whale carcass. It is believed that a person stayed inside the dead whale for 30 hours. They would be relieved of joint aches up to 12 months. Clearly, there's no scientific evidence to support the healing power of sitting, side, sitting inside a dead whale, but it seems likely that people were desperate en enough to actually try it. And if we zoom in, there's Buddy Boy. In a dead whale. In a dead whale. Oh, man. I feel like, um, no. No, <laughs> that one didn't work. I don't think so. I think they just stunk. Yeah. I don't like, like really bad. I think that was the the power of your brain. That was a, a placebo for uh, sure. For sure, like they were like, no, no, I feel better. Probably because they don't ever want to go inside that whale again. Probably not. So like, no, no, it's good. All who, right. Oh, wait. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Who who came up with that? I don't know. Like. Somebody like crazy just came out of a mental institution and they like snuck out by wearing like a doctor's thing. Yeah. And somebody was like, Doc, I really hurt. And they're like, Go sit in that whale. <laughs> It'll make you feel better. How long? 30 hours. <laughs> and then ran the other way. And the guy got out and he was like, Yeah. Why were you in there? Did you got aches and pains? <laughs> Go sit in the whale. Doc told me, Go sit in the dead whale. <laughs> Go sit in the dead whale. <laughs> It doesn't feel like. <laughs> no. I don't know. That's what I like. 
when they hear that story, <laughs> that's what I think happened. Somebody in a mental institution <laughs> broke out, had a lab coat on, and somebody was like, hey, doc. And they were like, uh, uh, yeah? <laughs> Go sit in the whale. Sit in the dead whale. Trust me. Trust me. It works. It's going to work. <laughs> oh, I, God. Are you sure? Yes. yes. I'm a doctor. Look at my coat. <laughs> Look at my coat. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Trust me. My, my coat tells it all. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. All right. Must believe you. Yeah. Jump in the dead well. <laughs> all right. Um, the next one we have... I'm just going to read this one before I, I tell you what it is. For hundreds of years up until the 1890s, it was a common use... It was common to use the human body as an ingredient in various medicines. Which human parts were used to treat diseases? Well, pretty much all of them. For instance, the human liver was prescribed for those uh, suffering from epilepsy, but the most common was blood, fat, bone, and flesh. Uh, during the 16th and 17th centuries, many physicians actively prescribed corpse medicine to their patients. One of the most popular remedies back in the day was made of smuggled Egyptian mummies. The mummified remains were usually powdered and used as a treatment for epilepsy, bruising, and hemorrhage. And there's a blood mixture. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Isn't that weird? It is. They were just like, yeah, humans can cure humans. Put <laughs> Go sit in the dead whale and then snort these bones. Yeah. You'll be great. Yeah, they're Egyptian bones. Oh. <laughs> they're, they'll help. They'll help. Why? Yeah. What makes Egyptian bones different than Canadian bones? Well, they've been wrapped up for so long. They've been taken care of. Oh, okay. Right, they're all wrapped up. They're all wrapped up nice. Yeah. Okay. So first aid was, you know, performed on the... On the dead people. Yeah. yeah. The longer you have first aid bandages on you, the the better your bones are. Oh, noted. It's a fact. <laughs> Is it a fact? It's in the hieroglyphics on the, in the, uh... Okay. In the pyramids. They just got their red cross there, and then a, like a time next to it, and then a thumbs up emoji next to the bones. See, you've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find that that stream of um <laughs> of emojis and send it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one we have is called plombage, and that's an X-ray of what plombage is. See those little little ball things yeah. there. Yeah. Alright, prior to the introduction of effective tuberculosis medicine, plombage was used to treat the disease from the 1930s to the 1950s. Physicians believed that a collapsed lung would heal faster, so they used the plombage method to forcibly collapse the lung. During the procedure, a doctor would create a cavity underneath the upper ribs and fill the space with materials such as acrylic balls, ping pong balls, oils, rubber sheets, paraffin wax or gauze unsurprisingly the treatment was carried uh carried the risk of complications many of the patients suffered from hemorrhage infection and abnormal opening between the hollow organs uh, of the bronchus aorta esophagus and skin ping pong balls ping pong balls parchment paper acrylic balls paraffin wax paraffin wax paraffin wax we're just going to put paraffin wax in that little space between your ribs and your lung, and we're going to collapse your lung so that you feel better. They just look like we're really doing surgery in a, in a 
wreck area <laughs> and <Yeah>. a trailer <laughs> it was craft time it was craft time paraffin wax and ping pong balls <laughs> oh my god kids stop playing with that they gotta go in this man's chest stop oh my it god. get that out of your mouth <laughs> Are you going to sanitize that before? No. This is day surgery daycare. <laughs> day surgery daycare. <laughs> you know that? You know that exercise? I, I don't know if they did it when you were in school, but they like, they they do the fill the bucket thing, you know, fill someone's bucket. You heard about that, didn't you? You're going to need to keep going. Okay. So it's like t- put stuff like in other people's buckets like make them happier rather than take away from the bucket and make them sad oh yeah no we didn't do that okay we didn't care about other people okay when i was growing up <laughs> i i remember Brody it had for it themselves but when i was in school it was a jar before it was a bucket and for the demonstration they have this jar and they put a bunch of ping pong balls in it and they'd be like is the jar full? And we'd be like, yes. And then they'd put, like, Smarties or something, and it'd fill all the spaces, and they're like, now is it full? And we're like, yes. And then they put sand and water in it until it's actually full. And they're like, see how easy it is to think something's full when it's not? Be nice to each other. <laughs> That's what they... I don't understand that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I think they just did that with this person's lung. <laughs> they were like, okay, so we're going to take the jar... We're going to pour it into your lung. <laughs> that didn't work. It didn't work. Now let's get some parchment or some paraffin wax. Paraffin wax and and rubber sheets. That's odd, man. I saved the funniest one, I think, for last. Wait, I got a story. Okay. So when I was growing up, we didn't have stuff like that about filling buckets. Yeah. At all. But, like, we used to have, like, craft time, right? And it was yeah. always, like, popsicle sticks and pipe cleaners yeah. and stuff like that. Me and my friend realized that if you, like, scraped it on the side of the wall, the popsicle stick, it would get sharper. So we, like, made shanks. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. So And then we got caught and then we got in trouble. But I didn't shank anybody. But we, but we made... But we made shanks. Yeah, we were like, look, we got knives. And they were like, holy fuck. <laughs> No. You know that video with the kid running around the pool? The mom's like, what do you have? And he's like, a knife. She's like, no, that was you in school. It might have been. <laughs> it might have been me. But it was me and my friend Marvin. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, you guys. And Marvin was a badass. <laughs> Gotta stop. <laughs> All right, the last one. This is so funny to me. It's tobacco smoke enemas. Really? <laughs> Blowing smoke up your butt. Literally. Literally. Uh, tom- tobacco smoke enemas were practiced in the 18th century to treat various ailments. Back in the day, this procedure was administered to patients suffering from headaches, respiratory failure, cold, or abdominal cramps, just to name a few. This method was even used to resurrect individuals who were dying from typhoid fever or cholera or drowning. This was believed that the nicotine could stimulate the patient's adrenal glands, produce adrenaline, and revive them. Unsurprisingly, this method hardly ever worked. Hardly. Hardly. Which means it must have worked once. <laughs> but see, I, th- I chalked that up to a fluke. It, it had to have been. But here's the, <laughs> here's the machine. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> so, when they it's say, I'm so- not just blowing smoke up your ass... They kind of were. Right? 
But yeah, but what they say is, I'm not trying to cure you. <laughs> yep. I'm not trying to get your adrenal glands going. <laughs> so I can revive you. But yeah, it was used for drowning victims. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that one. <laughs> they pulled a person out of the pool <laughs> where they were drowning. Quick, get the tube up their ass. Pulls down their pants. Light up, light up those cigarettes. <laughs> Don't inhale, don't inhale. (laughs) That sounds awful. It sounds great. Oh, man. I don't... I'm glad I don't live... (laughs) Me too. You know what's funny, though? Hmm. Like, say a hundred years from now, there's going to be a dad and a daughter doing a podcast, talking about the weird shit that we do. I'm going to be like, I can't believe that they did that. Yep. I can't believe that they actually cut people open. I can't believe that they did that. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just use this whatever machine? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the, the fixer-upper machine or whatever. <laughs> They're going to advertise it as the fixer-upper. The tune-up. Surgery at home. The tune-up machine. Has never been made easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be an infomercial. Are you tired of expensive surgeries? Well, get the tuner, <laughs> the fixer-upper. Well, they, I was watching this show. It's called Altered Carbon. And they actually um, they actually had this thing where they downloaded your consciousness into, like, a disc. And then you, they just called your body was a sleeve. So they would just put your consciousness into another sleeve. And you just wake up as a different person. That's wild. Right? So, like, the whole thing was... It was a pretty cool show. hmm It was definitely cool. Um, but, yeah, it was all about sleeves. So, basically, if, you're, if your disc broke or whatever, you mm-hmm. were dead. Yeah. Right? But conscious-wise, yeah, it was the whole thing. Your consciousness could go... And, like, people were talking about getting upgrades and... You know, stuff like that. Yeah. So basically your body was just a suit, you know? Mm -hmm. They called it a sleeve. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if we're ever going to get to something like that. Hmm. You know? That's interesting. One day we're just going to be downloaded into a disc. And then really rich people are going to be able to have, you know, you know, whatever kind of sleeve they want. Mm -hmm. They're like, I want to be like the mountain. I'm like, oh, you just got to order up that sleeve. The yep. mountain sleeve. The mountain sleeve. Yeah. Or if you want to be like, I don't know who else, Nicki Minaj. You want the big old badonkadonk. Badonkadonk. <laughs> Just order it up. Get the sleeve. Yep. Yeah. I think it's pretty crazy. I think it's crazy. It's it's funny what we think is crazy now. Mm-hmm. But back then, uh, it apparently made sense. Yep. You know, like people would drive around and try to sell their elixirs. You know, and, like, the main ingredient was cocaine Mm -hmm. in it, right? And, like, that was the elixir to cure all, you know? You got a headache, you're sad, you can't poop. Here, take the cocaine. Yeah. You know, you got ghosts in your bones, you might as well take cocaine for it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that's the way it was. I think we should find that meme. I think that should be our meme for this one. The ghost and bones one? Yeah. Yeah? All right, I'll do that. I'll find it. All righty. All right, guys, well, thanks for listening. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed, and uh, stay tuned. We still have to do a shoot in the poop. Yep. We didn't really... Did we do it? I don't remember. I don't... Maybe? 
either way. We're going to have a whole new shoot in the poo this on Wednesday. Wednesday where we talk about stuff. Where we talk about stuff. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye.